One sobering trend over the past decade was the steady loss of newspaper reporters covering local issues. Here in Ohio in 2019, we saw the Youngstown Vindicator close altogether, something we've talked about on past episodes. We also saw the slimming of staff and tightening of belts at some of our state's most trusted newspapers. Yet, 2019 brought with it some really big stories here in Ohio, including pharmaceutical pricing, proposals to radically alter Medicaid, ups and downs in infant mortality, life expectancy, overdose deaths, and changes in many other key health indicators. There's also been some good news, though, such as the elevation of the age for purchasing tobacco products to 21. Today, at the beginning of a new year, we thought it would be good to take stock of 2019 and talk a little bit about what's coming in 2020. I thought, what a better way to do this than to talk with two reporters at our hometown newspaper, the Columbus Dispatch. This is Prognosis Ohio, WCB's healthcare show. I'm your host, Ohio University Health Policy Professor Dan Skinner. My guests today are Megan Henry and Sheridan Hendricks of the Columbus Dispatch. Megan Henry began working full-time at the Columbus Dispatch as a reporter in August 2018. She currently covers the business of healthcare and has previously covered real estate, breweries, restaurants, medical marijuana, and the Honda Marysville plant. She's a self-described diehard Ohio State Buckeye fan, a point that makes my comments in this interview particularly galling. Sheridan Hendricks has been with the Dispatch since 2017, covering eastern and southeastern Ohio and issues impacting Ohioans in Appalachia. In addition to her reporting on the region, Hendricks also hosted a fantastic podcast based on reporting she and her colleagues did in 2019 on fraternity hazing at Ohio University. The podcast is called Broken Pledge, which we'll link to in our show notes. I've also posted a series of links to both Sheridan and Megan's recent work. In our conversation, we discuss a wide range of health-related issues that arose in 2019, and all of which promised to continue to be important issues in 2020. These issues include state efforts to address a surge in vaping, particularly among children, opioid overdose deaths, and efforts to reduce the harm caused by addiction through initiatives such as needle exchange. There were other issues that we just didn't have time to include here, such as the troubling suicide rates in our state and the 2020 trial of former Mount Carmel physician William Husell. That just means we're going to have to devote episodes to these issues in the coming year. Before turning to our conversation, I want to remind listeners to please subscribe to Prognosis Ohio on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please also visit the WCBE Podcast Experience page at wcbe.org for more information about the show. And be in touch with us if you have ideas or comments about the show on Twitter at at prognosisohio or email us at prognosisohio at gmail.com. Also, in 2020, we're going to be launching a bona fide underwriting program so we can build the show. Please consider being an early adopter. Okay, now to my conversation with Megan Henry and Sheridan Hendricks of the Columbus Dispatch. Megan Henry and Sheridan Hendricks, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, so I, this year, have spent quite a bit of time talking with journalists on this show uh, it's one of my favorite things to do is to force journalists who don't always love being on microphones <laughs> to come talk with me about healthcare. But also, I just have tremendous respect uh, for the work that healthcare journalists, journalists in general, do uh, within our state. And I hadn't yet really spoken to folks from our hometown newspaper, The Dispatch. So I reached out to you, and I'm really uh, appreciative for you being here. Well, we love to be able to come on and share some of the work that we're doing. So, you know, and I'll just say before we start talking, so I reached out to Sheridan originally, and and she came back and said, well, I'm not actually a real healthcare reporter specifically. You cover eastern Ohio and southeastern Ohio. 
And Megan, you're a business of healthcare reporter. Yes. But when I look through your articles, I look look through your reporting, uh, it's pretty clear that whatever your specific beat is, health is just swirling around all sorts of issues in the state, especially if you focus on Appalachian, Ohio, southeastern Ohio. Um, and I think that kind of frames the conversation for today, which is health was a huge issue in Ohio in 2019 and will continue to be in 2020. I don't even know how you get your hand around all these different issues. And that's one of the questions I have is sort of how do you manage and how do you develop your focus? But you also sent me a couple of issues that were really important to you that you you thought, you know, were some of the highlights of reporting for 2019. And I thought we could maybe go through a few of those. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. So obviously vaping. I mean, uh, we, we <laughs> have in 2019, we had uh, Tobacco 21 pass. Mm -hmm. And that was a long time coming and almost a no-brainer from a public health perspective, right? Um, you know, we, we need to deal with the high smoking rates in, in Ohio. But that was actually a little bit of a bit of good news from the year is that that seems to be on the decline. The bad news is that vaping seems to be becoming a public health crisis. Can you just tell me a little bit about how uh, you saw this issue during the year develop within your specific areas of journalism? Yeah, definitely. So vaping is nothing new. It's been around for a while with e-cigarettes uh, and vaping kind of came into play as like a way to stop people from smoking, people trying to use it to quit smoking, get off of their cigarette addiction. Uh, so people turn to vaping. And this is one of the issue that the companies themselves made, mm -hmm. like Juul, hey, we're actually trying to... Uh, it's a harm reduction thing. We're actually trying to get them off of cigarettes. Exactly, exactly. So initially it was brought, it was uh, advertised as this good thing, as it's healthier than smoking, healthier than cigarettes. But this year, in August, it kind of came to light that it might not be as healthy or as good as it was originally advertised. There was a lot of talk about youth vaping and people in high school vaping, and then people vaping THC, which is where it gets risky. And so then... In August, it came out that these vaping-related injuries were coming to light. People were hospitalized. And so here in Ohio, as of yesterday, actually, Ohio had 89 cases of vaping-associated lung injuries, including 12 here locally in Franklin County, uh, as of yesterday, according to the Ohio Department of Health. Yeah. So that's and thousands across striking. the country. Yeah, thousands, yeah. thousands across the country. Um, there have been uh, 52 deaths across the country, none here in Ohio, thankfully. But it just kind of came out of nowhere, like in August, and this, like, snowball effect— People across the country, legislation is trying to figure out what to do. It's kind of the question mark is, what do we do? Uh, Governor Mike DeWine has supported banning flavors, and so he's trying to get lawmakers on board with that. But there's been no real movement quite yet on that, but we'll continue to see this issue unfold next year. And that's one of the issues with vaping is that you have these flavors that are clearly designed. And mm -hmm. we go back to how tobacco developed back in the day. It, it, there are some aspects of the advertising and of the product design that are specifically designed. You can just tell they're they're for kids. Right. So we're trying to get rid of some of these flavors at a minimum to say we're going to take away the sort of sweet part of it or something like that. Yeah, the people who are using uh, vaping to quit smoking, I talked to some of them and they say they really enjoy the flavors. The flavors help them disassociate with the smoking. And actually, when they go back to smoking a cigarette, uh, on occasion, they say it's really disgusting and gross because they dismiss the flavors. Yeah. But some of these flavors, we reported some of them, they're kind of funny. It's like, I don't know, like mango burst, peanut butter cup, uh, <laughs> cinnamon toast munch. So they're just kind of goofy flavors that um, kind of appeal to the younger crowd, to the people in high school. Sounds who are like just... Jenny's ice cream. Exactly. Yeah. It does. Yeah. So they have a pleasant taste to them. So that gets people 
addicted to the to the vaping. They don't want to stop because they enjoy the flavor so much. So Sharon, are you seeing this a lot in southeastern and eastern Ohio too? I think we're seeing it everywhere, but definitely. I mean, I don't think that it's just a centralized issue here in like urban or suburban areas. I think part of the reason because of that, and we've kind of already touched on that, is because it hits uh, younger audiences. I was talking with a, a respiratory specialist back in August when all this kind of started to hit, and she was like, the the generation that we are currently seeing taking up vaping is going to basically be this test audience, uh, similar to, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago with the with smoking and seeing the effects of that. They were a test generation that, you know, all these lawsuits came out of and all these studies came out of. This is the generation that as of right now, we don't really know what all of the health effects are going to be. Yeah. But, you know, a couple generations down the road, then we're really going to see. So when, when we think about an issue that I've been looking at a lot over the last year or two, which is the opioid issue, the dispatch has done fantastic reporting, not just, you know, it's, it hasn't just come up in, 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 you know, your journalism, the two of you, but your colleagues as well. It's everywhere. Like, you can't write about almost anything in the state right now, whether it's the, the budget or it's, you know, Medicaid or bona fide health care issues um, or just looking at employment, you know, in the state. And there's been a lot of attention on documenting and calling attention to uh, the efforts to deal with that crisis. But there's also new crises coming in the middle of that. I mean, that's one of the things that makes me dizzy thinking about what it's like to be a, a journalist, because you're trying to make sure you're calling attention to an issue while also noticing new trends that are coming, like the methamphetamine spikes that we're seeing around the state. Mm -hmm. How do you think about those two issues and kind of how, how, how do you cover that or what where is 2020 going to be this fantastic year where we uh, declare the opioid crisis kind of yesterday's news and we're on to new things, or is it going to persist? And we have a lot of legal action that's certainly going to persist. So I wonder how you think about that. It's a great question because kind of going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, you know, I don't cover specifically healthcare. I cover yeah. a region. I cover eastern and southeastern Ohio. But, you know, we're joking, like health covers every topic within that. So I think, you know, ideally, hopefully, we see it continue to see a decrease in opioid use and opioid abuse. I don't think that we're necessarily going to see all of the, you know, the effects that this epidemic has caused necessarily go away anytime soon, like kind of unrelated, but related, you know, Joe Burrow's Heisman Trophy speech yeah. that he gave over the weekend. Super touching, mentioned Southeastern Ohio. He's from Athens. And this uh, speech that he gave, outpouring of support to the Athens County Food Pantry. They've yeah. received, I think as of last night, it was like more than $400,000 that's been raised. So it's incredible. It's a great news story. I'm talking with someone from the food pantry or the uh, you know, kind of statewide level yeah. that studies food pantries and works with them. But she was telling me, like, you know, we've seen this spike over the last year in people that need to use food pantries. A lot of them older people, a lot of them people who are now raising their grandkids because of what the opioid epidemic. Yeah, the lost generation that's there. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So there's all of these. I think that in the coming year, we're going to continue to see more stories. And we've definitely covered this to an extent already. I think Rita Price at the Dispatch does a great yeah. job of this covering mm -hmm. uh, social and family services and how the opioid epidemic kind of you know, touches every aspect of people's lives in ways that they don't necessarily think. But I think hopefully, you know, like I was saying, opioid use 
we would like to see a decline in it, but I think a lot of these effects we're still going to see and still going to be doing a lot of reporting on. Thanks for mentioning that, by the way. I was going to, you know, I follow both of you on Twitter and for listeners just to, to know, so Sheridan's kind of been doing a, uh, a regular update on the Joe Burrows uh, take home of, of what it's raised. And, and we're in the hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. now that's going to deal with the food insecurity it's issue. It's going to completely transform people's lives down there. Yeah. So that that's a you know for me I I'm a reluctant college sports person I'm I'm from New York and I still don't get I've been here for almost ten years I still don't get college football I, I admit that I know probably I'm losing some some uh, credibility here but it's a really important part of it that's uh, for somebody to use their visibility to address a health issue is a really important thing he yeah. could have just you know I don't know bought a Maserati and you know driven off into the yeah. sunset gone up there thanked his peers and you know mm -hmm. walked away but it, it was very encouraging to see someone using their platform to to really spread issues that are important to them and I hope more people end up doing that too yeah great did you want to add anything uh, Megan about the sort of like looking forward toward this issue in 2020 uh, I think Sharon hit up on most of it. I was pulling some stats uh, in preparation for this interview this morning, and uh, Jackson County actually had, um, according to these stats uh, that came out this past year, uh, had 107 pills for every resident. Yeah. Uh, that's just shocking. Uh, and I was, was in there, I was down in that county a few months ago for a story I'm working on, and I was talking with, this, with the, the principal, and he was saying how a lot of the students don't live with their parents because of the opioid crisis. They're either in jail or, you know, they just they just can't take care of their kids. And so these kids, these students are living with their grandparents, yeah. aunts, uncles, just you name it. And it's really going to impact these this generation yeah. of students going forward. Yeah. And of course, people, you know, like like principals of schools, um, you know, in the, in the book that my colleague Berkeley Franz and I put out, you know, we, we talked to librarians. I mean, librarians are really first responders in the opioid crisis. Yeah. All sorts of people have had to relearn their job or learn new tools or develop new tools. Naloxone, of course, Narcan delivery, the, the ability to just know how to do that has really become an important thing, no matter what you do in any kind of institution that you're working in. So a final issue I just thought we might touch on is this question of needle exchange. And I know it's something that's important to both of you in the areas that you cover in, in eastern and southeastern Ohio, um, Licking County in particular, an area that I spent a little time in with the book on opioids that mm -hmm. I put out and talked with a lot of folks there. But they took a pretty amazing move in Licking County of, if I'm getting this right, of banning Needle exchange, essentially, yeah, which is a highly regarded evidence-based uh, harm reduction strategy that obviously some people intuitively don't like the idea of providing needles to folks. But public health people who look at this know that it has, you know, a lot of potential to reduce harm and and um, to really help people. Can you tell me a little bit about? And Megan, I wonder if you can tell me a little bit about what's going on in Licking County, or is that more your beat, Sharon? Yeah, it's, okay. it's kind of fallen more to me. Um, it was interesting because back uh, in the spring is when this really started to get more attention, um, at least in Licking County, that, you know, they were the first county in the state of Ohio to ban needle exchanges. Why? That's the question. You know, it's been difficult to get a clear answer exactly on why this issue is. At least when I talk to advocates, people who are on the ground working with um, the addicted, the homeless population, um, there's a, a really strong group of individuals out in Licking County and Newark specifically who, you know, really dedicate their whole lives to try uh, and reduce harm and help addicts um, yeah. get out of that. 
And it's been a big question for them, like, why is there not more transparency with the health department on why this decision was made? The decision was made, I believe, if I'm getting this right, in an executive session, there was no mention of it on their... The agenda? Um, or, yeah, there yeah. was no mention of it on their uh, <laughs> on their agenda for the board meeting that night. One of the women that I've talked with a lot, Trish Perry, um, she's a huge advocate in Licking County for needle exchanges. She works day in, day out. Um, on top of her full-time job working with homeless and addicted populations. And her son, she's she's very forward about it. Her son was an addict and used IV drugs for a long time. Uh, for He was out of rehab. He was working with the county health department to really push for this needle exchange. And then kind of out of nowhere, they ban it. Yeah. So for him, it was a very personal issue. Like, I've been working with you guys on this for a long time, you know, why Why did this happen? And it's been this question for a while now. CNN actually interviewed and followed around Trish for a few days and made a little video that went online. And in it, she's passing out uh, Narcan. Yeah. She, she has these harm reduction packets that she passes out. And, and needles aren't always in them, but she does pass out needles, you know, clean syringes to people who need them. Is that a violation of, of a law in some way? Is she resisting in that regard? Apparently, you know, per the health board, they yeah. say that she was breaking some laws there and yeah. now she's no longer able to get Narcan through the county to pass out. Um, when I spoke with her, she said it's not going to stop her from still passing out syringes and Narcan. She's getting it from other people. People in other states that support her are sending her Narcan. So yeah. I think going into 2020, this is going to be an issue that continues, at least in Licking County. There are plenty of really successful needle exchanges across the state. There's one in Franklin County. There's a really successful one in Muskingum County in Zanesville. So I think the people in Licking County and especially in Newark aren't going to let this issue go away quietly. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that you're going to continue to see moving forward into next year. So just a final question moving forward to 2020. And we already have sprinkled in some optimism within this really heady, difficult year we had. Um, but I wonder if there are other issues where we're thinking about, well, you know, actually we're going to be able to, you know, I'll go to the football analogy, move the ball. Uh, is that what you do in football? You move the ball down the field or whatever? Nailed it. Right. What, what, what kind of, are there other issues that you maybe one or two that you're thinking are going to be coming that um, you're kind of gearing up or reading about to be able to cover adequately? Yeah, I think one thing that I'm uh, excited looking forward to 2020 to get to cover a little bit more is looking specifically at the area that I cover, uh, looking at rural issues, specifically looking at food insecurity and water insecurity. Those mm -hmm. are two things that I'm pretty passionate about and I, I love getting a chance to report on. So I think that, you know, at least when we're talking about health, we've kind of touched on this already with, you know, Joe Burrow and, and the Athens County Food Pantry. I think there's going to be a lot of really good stories to tell following up on this massive donation that's come out, you know, across the country supporting little Athens, Ohio. You know, yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of really awesome stories to be told there and really give a chance to look more deeply into what are some of the food insecurity issues going on, not just in Athens County, but all over the state. Water insecurity, too. You know, looking at people that don't have access to clean water in their homes on a on a daily basis, I think is something that's going to be really interesting to look forward to next year. And I know there are people looking into, for the first time, really, we don't have a good sense of where lead pipes are in our, in our state. Yeah. You know, just trying to get an inventory of what our infrastructure looks like and understanding how that's connected to all sorts of health issues 
issues. Mm-hmm. Megan, anything you're particularly looking at? Yeah, there's something actually Sharon and I are working on this uh, project about uh, rural health care and just access to health care across the state with emphasis on like southern Ohio. Yeah. Uh, and I got to shadow this doctor who makes these house calls to her patients in Lawrence County, the southernmost county in the state. Um, and so I'm looking forward to getting that uh, published and just more awareness to these issues that these really rural counties face when it comes to access to health care. Yeah, well, that's going to be an ongoing thing. We don't know what's going to happen with the Affordable Care Act. We don't know what that's going to do to the marketplace and the the individual insurance plans. We don't know about Medicaid expansion and what the fate of that is yet. There are a lot of big questions, and I don't have to tell you that 2020 is going to be a big year. But thanks so much to you, to your colleagues for doing the reporting you do. Um, I celebrate journalists whenever possible. We had our discussion about the um, – I mean, one of the things that I'll just throw in there that we didn't touch on today is 2019, we also saw the closing of the Youngstown Vindicator. You know, the closing of newspapers is a really disconcerting trend. And I think when I look at the dispatch, um, you know, we still see we have a core group like yourselves and some of your colleagues, Rita Price, you mentioned, Marty Schlade and other people who mm-hmm. touch on these issues and really know them, know the communities. And I don't know what we would do without you. So thanks for telling you know us a little bit about what you're looking forward to in 2020. And we will continue reading you. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having a platform to bring us on and get to share some of the stuff that we're doing. Thanks. Thanks, Megan. Thanks, Sheridan. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Megan Henry and Sheridan Hendricks for spending some time with me to make sense of last year and to look forward to 2020. Prognosis Ohio is hosted by Dan Skinner and produced by Dan Skinner and Mark Franz. You can subscribe to Prognosis Ohio through WCBE's webpage at wcbe.org, where you can also find the show notes for this episode. You can subscribe to Prognosis Ohio as well on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and really wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love it if you'd leave a positive review so we can continue to grow the show. You can follow us as well on Twitter at, at prognosisohio and email us your suggestions and feedback at prognosisohio at gmail.com. If you're interested in underwriting this podcast to bring attention to your product, event, or cause, please be in touch. I assure you we're worth it. Thanks again for listening to Prognosis Ohio. I'm Dan Skinner.